Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. It's a fun, light-hearted topic this week. If you love shopping for bargains, if you love antiques, then you must love Bargain Hunt. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're really missing out. It's a UK reality TV series where contestants are let loose at a flea market or a car boot sale to find bargain antiques and then sell them at an auction and hopefully make a profit. Bargain Hunt is in its 10th year now. They've just finished filming five episodes in Australia. And I have the host, Tim Wanacott, on the phone in the UK. Tim, thanks for joining us. I'm delighted to be joining you. <laughs> I love your sense of humour on the show. It just shows how much you must love what you do, you know. Well, it's not a penance to have to go to work in the morning. You could put it like that. Exactly. Can you give us a, just a brief history of, of your dealing with antiques? Um, well, it's a long association. And what's so nice about the antiques business is that you never stop learning something. Mm. And anybody who says that they know all about everything is, of course, a complete fraudster. Because when I started, I left school and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And my dad was an auctioneer and my grandfather was an auctioneer. And our little auctioneering business down in Devon, we would sell anything that moved. <laughs> if it was a cow or a sheep or a pig or a sack of cauliflowers or potatoes, we had an auction market in Barnstable in North Devon, and that's exactly what we did. We sold anything that moved, including the contents of people's houses. When I left school, I had to qualify as a chartered auctioneer and uh, surveyor, and uh, I got very interested in the older items that were being sold. I couldn't understand why one chest of drawers made 30 guineas, because that's what we sold in in those days, and another one just like it made 600 guineas. I mm. could not understand what was the difference, Dad, between that brown thing and that brown thing. And my father, who'd been at it all his life, said, I can't possibly tell you what the difference is. They're just antiques, aren't they? And I said, well, I want to find out some more. <laughs> They've both got two short drawers and three long drawers. They're all brown. Why? And so you ended up working as a generalist at Sotheby's for 25 years. I didn't want to be the world's leading expert in Japanese ivory okinomo, um, which is, for me, would be very limited and very restrictive. I wanted to know everything that I could possibly know about everything, which, of course, is an impossible task, but it's incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. And Sotheby's used me as a generalist um, for uh, a long period of time. But you get to a point when you have done it for quite a long time, the BBC came along and they said, we'd like you to present Bargain Hunt. I said, what, me? And they said, yes, you. How did they find out about you? Well, of course, I'd been on the telly in a peripheral way right. for years. Um, the first programme that I was ever on was the Antiques Roadshow about 25 years ago. Um, I filmed a few objects and that all went very well. You know, small expert roles mm -hmm. within a lot of TV programmes had come my way while I was working at Sotheby's. In terms of what I find, as you know, on Bargain Hunt, every day when I go filming on Bargain Hunt, I find something interesting to talk to you about. And those things that I find, essentially, I do find. There isn't a, a, a raft of researchers at the BBC going out and finding stuff and feeding me my lines. I know about these objects. I find them. So when I pick up that little thing and say to you, well, look, I've just found this. It'll cost you £15, but I think it's worth 500 I have actually found that object. Right. 
and probably bought it. This beautiful building was built some 250 years ago in the glorious South Yorkshire countryside. You also visit a historical spot each show, which is just amazing. Is there one that really has stood out for you? Well, the trouble is, it's like, you know, if you've been married several times, which is your favourite wife? Yeah, right, right. I mean, once you get into that territory, you're, re- you're, really, you're really getting into judgmental stuff, aren't you? Often people say to me, which is your favourite antique? And I usually reply to that one by saying the last one that I've just acquired. (laughs) (laughs) Can you hold on one second? I'll just get this call. Yeah, you just got cut off. I'm just talking to the very nice Chris Elliott in Australia. So I'll hang up now. All right, I'll see you in a minute. Bye-bye. That's wife number three. You've got to be very careful with number three. (laughs) No, no, she's not. I've only had the one. Oh, right. uh, the best way to G them up is to make them think that they're wife number three. <laughs> Keeps them on the toes. That's right. If you said to me, what's one of your favourites? And Castle Howard in North Yorkshire would be one of my favourites. Do you know something I experience when I look around uh, buildings that were made in the 1980s and the 90s that lacked any imagination? They're just square boxes and they just didn't care. And I just think how precious the old architecture was you know it's so gone now yes i know well you know in britain we're now listing buildings that is protecting them that were built in the 1970s and 1980s these sheets of glass with shiny stuff on the outside um and one does have to question the sanity of the people who are going around saying this is something that must be preserved for all time Looking back at the time that the beautiful buildings that we admire now were built in 1720 or 1750, some of them were quite revolutionary. And I'm quite sure some people who had been knocking about at that time would have looked at the new buildings in 1720 or 1750 and said, that is the most hideous thing I have ever seen in all my life. All that stone and all those chimney pieces and all that carving... Um, it all wants knocking down. That's a good way of looking at it, isn't it? Before I close, can you give us a couple of tips for us when we go bargain hunting, when we go looking for antiques? Is there any way or any fast tips you can give us, there probably aren't, of knowing, hey, that's not a real antique, that's actually a copy? It's a tough one, really, because it all comes down to um, this thing that knowledge is power. Mm. And in the antiques business, that is a saying that is truer than in almost any other business. You have to begin to become a bit of a specialist in a subject yourself if you're going to go about it seriously. Mm. And it sounds a bit trite, but once you've decided that you really love Dalton figures or whatever little thing it is in the antiques area that most amuses you or attracts your eye, You just have to get to learn a bit about it, Chris. Mm. You need to go to auctions where such things are sold, not necessarily to buy, but to handle them, look underneath them, ask questions from the auctioneer or whatever expert they may be knocking about, watch the sale, see how much those things make at that auction. So that when you then go to a flea market or a car boot, You can think to yourself, that's just like the one I handled the week before last at that auction that made 
£800. Mm. And the price in the flea market or the car boot is only $40. What you don't want to be doing is going out and finding a bronze for $800 that's just like the real one you handled for Mm. $800 spending the $800 on what you think is the real one and then finding out afterwards that it's not real and it's only worth $40. That's the wrong way round. Listen, I notice on the show you wear a different pair of glasses uh, on every shoot. This is a a bit of a sidebar, but uh, we were just wondering how many pairs have you got? What, you think it's mad me doing this? I think it's hilarious. Nothing like Dame Edna's, I can tell you that. (laughs) I've not gone bonkers for the sparkly bit yet. (laughs) It could happen. How many pairs have you got, do you think? I don't know. It's a trade secret. When I'm, when I'm dead and gone, somebody will count them up. <laughs> do you have a faith of any kind? Well, I, I'm very, very straightforward with my faith. I do have a God, and I'm an Anglican, so it's that variety of God that I follow. Uh-huh. And I'm the sort of Christian who doesn't need to pay a lip service to my God every day or every week but i just know the fella's there for me and i just know that if i live my life treating people the way i would like to be treated loosely under the umbrella of my god and my set of rules i'll leave the place maybe a slightly better place than i found it wow. which should be my ambition that's a great ambition thanks for sharing that with us tim no 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 not at all I'm so sorry, we got dog trouble. It sounds like someone's arriving, right? No, don't worry. It's a pack of small Jack Russell dogs that are very keen on attacking everybody that arrives. (laughs) He's not looking very happy, but I think I'd better go and rescue him, Chris. Okay. Listen, thanks for your time. Delightful to talk to you. Help me to love like you loved, to serve like you served, to speak only words of truth. Tim Wynacott, host of the reality TV series Bargain Hunt in the UK, and they filmed a series of shows here in Australia this year. We've been told that there have been some keen bargains spotted at Salvo's stores over the years and on the Salvo's online store. Tim mentioned about living his life, treating people the way that he would like to be treated, which echoes what Jesus said in antiquity. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus went on to say, If you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? And if you only do good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward in heaven will be great. Help me to love like you love, to serve like you serve.